You are listening to the Beyond Yoga Teacher Training Podcast. I am your host, Sandy Raper. On this podcast, I will share stories and invite conversations that will help you grow and support sustainability within your yoga practice, your pathway of service as a yoga teacher, and beyond. In today's episode, I have a conversation with Stephanie Spence. Stephanie has spent over 40 years practicing yoga and sharing her love of this ancient system of living through her writing, teaching, and public speaking. She's known as a yoga scholar, award-winning author, former CEO, activist, and creative leader. Her philosophy and approach to yoga is unique and powerful. She's happiest while helping others, traveling around the world, practicing yoga in another language, and spending time with her family at the beach. Listen in now to my conversation with Stephanie Spence. Hi, Stephanie. Welcome. I am so excited to have you back for another episode. It was such a pleasure and treat to talk with you in season one, and now I've rolled into season two of the podcast, and I knew that our conversation from before, like there was going to be a lot more that you and I could talk about. So before we get started, I just want to ask, how are you doing today? Well, I am so honored to be back again. I mean, what greater compliment can there be than to, than to be invited back? So <laughs> I am very awesome today. Thank you. Yeah, well, good. Well, I'm excited about our conversation today. Um, this season two, uh, those that have already started kind of listening into it, it's, it's this concept of becoming. I uh, offer in my kind of little outro that I do for the podcast, I, I offer these, these wishes for people to begin uh, to become and to expand beyond. So for me and the vision for season two is this, this concept of becoming or how do we become? And so we'll just kind of dive right into the conversation. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to hear, I know uh, the insight that you'll share in regards to your interpretation of this, but kind of like when I, I Googled this, this word becoming, it was like, not just becoming something, but it was this, there was these words of this desired state of being in it, which I thought, God, I've never thought about that. So, you know, this be, you know, how do we become, how do our, how are we becoming? So let's just start with that kind of like, what, how do you interpret that concept of becoming? Well, I think you've encapsulated brilliantly that there's a lot of energy in this word. And I, too, being a word girl, thought, you know, is it a verb? Is it an adjective? It's actually in the dictionary, a noun and an adjective. But I would like to propose that it's a verb. There's action in this, right? So I would like to propose the idea, because as we are coming out of the pandemic lockdown, that really we, we can all be a lotus flower. We've been Mm. in this walk and ultimately we're all, you know, in life faced with these seemingly insurmountable challenges all the time anyway. And we've just yet collectively had one together. Is there a better you waiting? And isn't hope a form of becoming? Isn't Mm. faith a form of becoming? And for me, as I was once stuck in the monk, I see this as almost like cultivating trauma resiliency right now. And basically, what are the things that help you becoming? These are the questions that we can ask ourselves as we practice 
self-compassion in our shared humanity that each of us is, perpetu is perpetually changing, right? Our selves are constantly evolving it. Somehow our sense of self, and this is a, a, a big concept in uh, many traditions, including Buddhism, of the no-self. People cling to this idea, the I, the me, the, the, the state of um, something to hold on to, when in fact, we're always becoming. Right, but, it, but when we propose it in a way with a question attached to it, I think there's fear. Oh, yeah. And what I am saying is just like a lotus flower coming out of the muck, we could also argue that without the, the stuck or the muck or the, you know, something, this idea of change without mm -hmm. being so uncomfortable, do we? I mean, we all like those moments when things are just easy breezy and whatever, but the truth is even that is temporary. Right. But so this becoming is a natural in nature. It's a constant, you know, a flower may bloom, but it's also going to die. Mm. There's always, you know, the seasons are changing. And I know the parallels in yoga as we look inside. That's why I think nature resonates with so many people. So I love this idea that as we're becoming, for me, it, it had me thinking about a lot of different things. And one of the first things, as we remind ourselves of our vision for our future, you know, it's, it's important to look to the things that have either not served us or that have. And so I think mm -hmm. we're kind of at that juncture right now. We have a spring, we have a, you know, a coming back out. We're coming out of the muck as our, and we're, we're getting ready to bloom. And I think our intention, just like our intention in yoga is, for me, always comes back to, what do I want my moments to be like? You know, how do I want to show up for myself in the world? and for my family and for my community and the world, because collectively as we all do that, we could radically shift how we're all designing our, our life experience. Mm. So. Yeah. So let's, let's kind of expand a little bit about, you know, how then do we use the yoga practice uh, on the mat and off the mat? Cause you know, I, I even found myself this morning, I was teaching a class and it was like, you know, yoga is relevant <laughs> when it meets the needs off the mat out in, you know, into my life, you know, it really becomes relevant. So thinking about this idea of becoming, how, how can we talk about that in regards to the yoga practice? How does the yoga practice support us on the mat and off the mat in trying to pursue this desired experience, you know, of life? Or how have you experienced that personally in your practice? I think that it, it, is so multidimensional. That's why I'm, I'm ever fascinated by this yoga system, this tool, this, um, this practice that constantly reminds me or reveals or shows me the ways in uh, self-awareness that mm -hmm. I either need to look at a behavior, perhaps change a behavior, perhaps, you know, love myself more in the moment, whatever that is. But I still think it comes down to this idea of a little bit of being uncomfortable. Mm. So whether or not we just, you know, go to a class and love it and feel good, that is beautiful too. I'm not saying that, that <laughs> is a part of it. 
But even for instance, I was thinking about the other day about in childhood, the idea of becoming what I was taught was really about checking all the boxes that I was told that I should aspire to. Mm. And ultimately all the things that I bought into, I needed to unlearn later in life. Mm -hmm. Yoga helped me do that. Yoga showed me that I was perfect, flaws and all. Yoga showed me that so many of the things, so many of those boxes that I was told that I needed to check actually didn't bring me the joy that I was looking for. Right. So, I so many times we show up on our yoga mat, maybe perhaps with expectations or, you know, hoping for something, right? Don't we even, you know, suggest to our students to set an intention for the day? So even that intention is, okay, what, is, what do I want to become, right? Mm-hmm. Now, it's a cool juxtaposition between, oh, I need to be happy and content in the moment, yet also set some type of goals. But yet the things that I, the, the, the labels, I think that I assign myself, negative and positive. Like for instance, I was raised very poor and I strove and strove and strove in life to become financially successful. And I not only did that, but I exceeded that and became very uh, single-minded about achievement and money and power and all those things that sound like the American dream that I bought into when in in fact, that didn't bring me happiness. Mm -hmm. Going to yoga and feeling comfortable in my skin and feeling good about myself as a person and sharing that love of that by being a teacher, those things brought me joy. So I think this external voice that we either A, carry around, you know, who is that voice in our head that has told us all these rules? And even, you know, these titles of being a mother, being a woman, Um, being a CEO, an author, a yoga teacher, these are all titles, but who are we without all these titles? I think that's what yoga. Yeah. I know I share um, sometimes in the trainings that I do that I was um, cooking dinner one night and as I was cooking dinner, I was like, okay, you know, I'm a mom, I'm a daughter, I'm a teacher. And all of a sudden I said, hmm, but without all of that, like, who am I? And all of a sudden I was like, oh, just cook the dinner, Sandy, cook the dinner because it was like, oh, (laughs) that is big stuff. And that's very scary for a lot of people. So to me, yoga gives you a safe environment that, you know, uh, you can look at those things because like, I know when I go to other countries, the first question that they ask you isn't, what do you do? That's an American question. When you're out at a party or you're meeting somebody and the first thing they say is, what do you do? That is not my experience in other parts of the world. And I think that's very fascinating. And so even the idea of, you know, I'm a human being or I'm a human doing, we have bought into so many um, of these ideas that yoga enabled me to let go of. Yeah. The idea of becoming, you know, I even had to let go of ideas that I was less than, or that I, that the abuse that I was enduring in my life was, you know, all that I could ever expect in life. Mm. Um, It also, um, after starting over, 
becoming and seeing my new path unfolding in meaningful ways, I no longer dealt with the question of, am I enough? And I get to empower others to perhaps look at that. So I think this idea of becoming is so cool because it's in the present moment with energy of the future. Mm, Yeah, exactly. How do we then take the experiences that you've shared a few of experiences of the past. So if you're okay with that, like how in that transition of taking those experiences, stepping onto a yoga mat, moving through those things, like, you know, what was that experience like for you? Um, did you, do you feel like you tapped into it rather quickly or did it take a while? Um, you know, how do we use those experiences and, and unlearn, like you said? In fact, I do think that it takes a while. I know when in, because uh, I've been doing yoga so long now, it's so much easier in hindsight to go back and look at things and, and analyze them. But I think yoga gives you more of an ability as you develop your emotional intelligence and your self-awareness to look at them in the moment instead of being able to process it and then move through it just like you move through a pose. But I think all of the philosophical aspects of yoga is really what people are coming and seeking. So when I intentionally knew that I needed to reclaim and redesign my life, yoga was already a proven tool for me. And then to dive deeper into that, I had to intentionally set an intention. So for instance, I would sit down and say to myself, who am I becoming? Mm. You know, what does this becoming mean to me? It's actually what you and I are doing right now. (laughs) Right. This is the yoga. And I think that if someone has the bravery to, you know, decide for themselves, I am responsible for my life. That's also very empowering. Yes, it can be scary, but Again, to me, the yoga gives me that safe space to look at these things and say, wow, okay, I I need to change my life. What do I want that to be? And it doesn't have to be all in one day. I don't have to do it one day. Right. So even as I embarked on the journey to recalibrate and reclaim my life and redesign my life, that energy was also quite exciting. Mm-hmm. I chose the metaphor of getting in a, you know, rented RV and driving 4,000 miles um, up the West Coast of America, interviewing people and practicing with different yoga teachers. But yeah. in that becoming, I, I design that. So I think that the difference of, of what you're talking about, how do I take that off my mat, is you just do it. Meaning there's action. Action is the key. Well, and you're coming back to that action quality of the becoming. The verb. Mm -hmm, The verb. Yoga is a verb. It's like love is a verb, right? Mm -hmm, Right. I think it is all about, and it could be small things. I think the problem too for people is that seems overwhelming. So A, you set attainable goals, right? Just like you do in yoga. We say to people, hey, explore your edge. We don't say, okay, let's all do the splits today. (laughs) Right. Hey, headstands, everybody. You know, we get in there, we start off, you know, we maybe do some grounding things, we work our way up. And then of course we remind people, 
you know, just explore your edge today or, hey, if this is available to you. I know there's been so many great new um, um, uh, podcasts and books and things that, and dialogue and discussion around inclusivity and, you know, making sure everybody's comfortable and we can always do a better job. We can always mm -hmm. become, right? We can always right. become more. And I mm -hmm. think that is beautiful. And it's such a parallel to yoga. I think you've picked a brilliant thing. <laughs> Because it, I think you could say, you could almost transpose the word yoga for becoming. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it is a fact of nature. We are yeah. not the same person we were yesterday. And the only way to really look at that and believe that is you don't look like you do when you're a baby. You don't look, <laughs> you don't look the same when you're 80 that you do right. when you're 20. Yet somehow we get stuck in these things that are hard for us to either let go of or embrace. Right. And it, it, the, the practice of yoga, even if it is an asana based practice or a meditation, I mean, even you're becoming in meditation, mm -hmm. right? Even though you're sitting still, you are right. stilling or looking at or stilling the fluctuations of your mind or whatever practice right. that you have within that. Exactly. I think well, the way to take it off the mat is to, to say to yourself, I'm going to get something today that I'm going to look back at maybe at the end of the day, or I'm going to get something today on my mat, even if it's just feeling, you know, good or whatever, but I'm going to then evaluate it and say, huh, this is working. This isn't. Mm -hmm. It would be like to saying to somebody, <clears throat> hey, today go to an Ashtanga class and you go there and you love it. And then you only ever do that. Okay, right. judgment, but why not try a yin? Why not try a vinyasa in, you know, or a kundalini or something else? Exactly, exactly. Well, you know, like a cross train of your practice. Because, you know, if we're not careful, yoga becomes like other things, this repetitious, you know, comfort zone, right? We end up finding a little groove of a comfort zone. And like you said earlier, that being willing to explore the uncomfortable and think about change. And you, when you said that a moment ago, it just popped in, you know, I was thinking, you know, this attachment to permanence that we have and mm -hmm. I've experienced it, but it's like, it's this human condition that we it's attach. Exactly. And same thing. Like I remember the years I was attached to the idea that I needed to do scorpion bows before I was 40. <laughs> and achieve, you can do, you can, you know, set up these lists and these expectations, but ultimately, you know, expectations can also torture you. They can mm. you know, disappoint you. I, like even right now, I have a lot of things on my radar that I'm constantly appreciative that uh, bring, come to my awareness when I'm in yoga. It's like right now I'm thinking about how can I empower younger women and you know, what will my legacy be? And my new thing is, it's all about ageism. I have mm. recently started experiencing ageism and it's awful. Oh. <laughs> I thought sexism was bad enough, but now I've got a new ism in my life. But you know what? Same thing. It makes me uncomfortable and it mm -hmm. makes me stop and look and say, wow, I mean, I, I can't, I can't be a victim because a victim feels icky and right. so for me I use my yoga practice to go wow okay where am I feeling that in my body and what do I need today 
Mm -hmm. What do I need to do for myself so I can be my best self? So is a statement even a sense of becoming? Right, exactly. As I'm sitting here, you know, even having this conversation with you, it's been awesome because I got to this morning before we talked, go, wow, what do I want to say about that? Mm -hmm. All of those becoming statements, I believe, are so empowering. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I thought too, a lot of times we have tendencies that we just want to get through something instead of be with it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, And I think for me personally, it's been coming to moments of realization or reflection that it's okay if I'm just with it. I don't have to fix it. I don't have to change it. I don't have to do anything with whatever it is that I I feel I'm kind of wrestling with or resistant with. It's just, you know what, I'm going to sit with it. And I often give advice to people sometimes when they come to me, I'm like, just, you know, just sit with it instead of always seeking that you got to cast ahead to know, right. The exact outcome or put some expectation, like you said, on yourself to let's get it done. Let's barrel through and get through it. No, I'm just going to be with it. But that is so loving and wise for you to offer that to someone else, because I think that's terrifying for most yes. people. Yes, yes. terrifying. I know in the year that I was going through my life transition and I felt so alone. I mean, I couldn't even pick up the phone and call and ask somebody for help or tell somebody. I had I had one person that I could call. Thank God. We just need one. I had one right. person. I could call and just say, I'm just so scared and, and I'm so lonely and it was okay. But boy, for me to even say, I am lonely. I, I don't want to experience the rest of my life by myself. Right. That was huge. And I yes. think every time that we speak our truth, every time that we that, you know, offer something like you just said to someone else in a safe space. And to me, I keep coming back to the Sangha, to the community of yoga as a safe place. I'm getting ready to do a presentation at school that I think yoga, the access to yoga to me is a human rights issue now. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is no better time to teach the children of our future concepts like Ahimsa. Yes. Non, uh, non-violence and karuna, which is compassion. And I think mm. there's such an opportunity for all of us as we've had this year of being by ourselves. How do we want to enter back into the world around other people? Exactly. Who we want to become. <laughs> right. These opportunities, people were forced into a quiet, you know, lockdown. Right. Oh my God. But at the same time, I'm now talking to people that have said, wow, I've kind of been out and I was kind of digging being by myself. I kind of liked it. So even though we were all forced into this situation that wasn't of our making, which is trauma, right? You know, a a situation you design of your own trauma, the definition of it is something happened to me, you know, that I didn't design or want or or you know or or uh, or plan or plot or whatever right that lack of control I think you can regain your sense of agency and power by saying you know what I am designing my life I am becoming what do I want that to be exactly well and I think about the two that that piece of you know once we've been through some things and had some opportunities to 
to to heal to to attend to self and you know our self care but we have opportunities to kind of inquiry you know am i going to allow this to be a teacher for me or or is it going to continue to torment me and uh, it may torment you for a while and i and i'm speaking from experience of having you know lived that and then making a, a choice of like a reflection of like no i'm going to choose today or you know as you know one day at a time that I may not know right now what it's teaching me, but I can learn something from this and I will. And I'm going to choose to, you know, let go of feeling tormented by it. And I don't like it, right. <laughs> you know, the situation at all. And sometimes, and, and it could be even for a mode of um, unconscious preservation or you pick up a bad tool. Like I know when I was grieving the loss of my daughters, I picked up the tool of alcohol. And unfortunately, because there were days like Mother's Day that were extremely hard for me, people would say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is a hard day for her. Give her another glass of wine. So I went from being a person that could drink normally to all of a sudden, I can't drink anymore. I'm blacking out. But like you said, I had to say, okay, I am going to remove this tool. This is a bad tool for me now. <laughs> I'm going to remove this tool from my life. And I right. think that steeped in yoga philosophy has been a huge shift for me. And it's something that I kind of didn't expect. So even though, you know, you get it all together and life's just going all zen and smooth, <laughs> something else is going to come up. Yes, yes. The only thing now that's really cool with the pandemic is it's a shared trauma that we all experience together. So we have something that actually unifies us again because we've got so many challenges now in our country that we're all looking at. And that's awesome. Thank God. Yes, yes. It's also interesting. It's because it's gotten so bad. Yes, exactly. The violence and these challenges and systemic racism and all these things that we're looking at now, we needed to, but it mm -hmm. had to get really, really bad. So, right. I think, you know, even as we're coming out of this muck as a lotus flower, I think it's just such a time of excitement too. Yeah, I do. I agree. We're coming out. <laughs> exactly. So Stephanie, let's talk about, you know, this uh, concept of becoming a yoga teacher. Okay. So we've talked a lot about the yoga practice and I think what I hear and what I live into and step into now is like, this is where the rubber hits the road people like this, you know, our day and time now, like I have to equip myself as a teacher of the practice. Like, you know, how am I teaching? How am I conveying? How am I being and becoming with the students? I, you know, that are trusting me, in a space to lead and guide them. So I think about this, you know, you hear it a lot um, and maybe you can share a little bit of kind of what initiated your steps onto becoming a yoga teacher. But here I am getting kind of a little technical again with this word becoming, like how does somebody actually become, you know, a yoga teacher? Cause you see it out there, there's teacher trainings. I train teachers and you'll see different things that say, you know, uh, or become a yoga teacher. Like for me, it's a process and, you know, it's not this, you know, you come spend six or seven months with me and all of a sudden you step out and you've become this right. yoga teacher. So let's talk about that. I, I'd love to hear your oh, insight oh. on that. This is like a whole other, another month. episode, right? <laughs> we'll try and get to a lot of stuff quickly. Um, when I chose to look at the idea of becoming a yoga teacher, 
um, at the same time that I was redesigning my life, I had gone back to school and I thought, wow, you know, I love this. And I am just going to draw a community of wonderful people to me by opening a yoga studio. So as a former business owner of a very successful company, I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to see what it's like. So I worked part-time at a yoga studio to see what it was like. And I came away knowing that I would never open a yoga studio only because yes. for my personality and the, the model at the time, I think we have a great opportunity right now. There's a couple of people in LA that are even looking at co-op yoga studios. And I think we have an opportunity as we, you know, reopen to even redesign how that is. So that's, let's park that for a yeah, minute. But I agree. I becoming a yoga teacher, I also had to define for myself what that was going to look like. So I didn't have to learn how to be an entrepreneur. And that was a great asset. So I had mm -hmm. already brought that with me. So I think you need to ask yourself, what are, what are the, what are my assets already? What is the things that make me new unique? And then, you know what? trust that. Like mm -hmm. I was sharing the other day that I, as I travel around the world, have had incredible experiences with people just being themselves. There was a studio in uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil, that I went to a class and the teacher at the end picked up his guitar in a Spanish melody singing Sanskrit. And I cried. It was so beautiful because he was just being himself, yet for me, it was so moving mm -hmm. and unique that I'm still talking about it. Right. So here he was, you know, just being himself. So I think when people are just becoming a yoga teacher, they need to understand that they need to um, just be themselves, which is scary because you figure, oh my God, what do I know? I'm just starting and whatever but yet also embrace the idea that organically you're always going to be becoming. You're right. always going to be changing and growing and evolving. I think it's important to recognize and overcome any fears that are holding you back from living your dharma. And like you said, it could be fast or slow in identifying not only what would work for you, but figuring out what you're good at and then adding that into the mix. Mm -hmm. I think you have to expend a lot of time and energy to see where you're going to get a return on your investment. For mm, example, yeah. I'm a writer who happens to be a yoga teacher. So I spent a huge amount of time writing articles for yoga magazines online and in print around the world. And honestly, it was a huge amount of time that at one point in time, I thought I had wasted because it, I mean, I never got paid and I was happy to do it. But yet at the same time, it, it wasn't just to um, make me feel good about myself. I, I always came from a place of helping others um, and, and living my dharma to educate and inspire. But Fast forward 10 years after that, when my book came out, I had those relationships. Right. I had those contacts. I knew the people and I had already given them a gift. So when I called them up and said, hey, is there any way that you can 
you know, do a book review or would, would you be open to the idea of me writing an article and in my bio mentioning my book? And so it did work. Yeah. And I think you have to trust that. You have to trust that the universe is conspiring on your behalf and all of your energies that you're expending and becoming will come back to you. Now, mm -hmm. I know people financially can't always do that. So that is another piece that if you, you know, can figure out how to diversify your teaching methods to generate multiple streams of income, that is powerful because anyone who is in a timed based um, service industry, you know, you have to quickly calculate for yourself, wow, I'm driving all over town and I can only do exactly. three classes that way. So these things that, you know, you learn by experience, that's wisdom, right? Mm -hmm, right. Wisdom, but you need to quickly discern. I'm going to yes. drop class because there's, you know, I, I, I can't sit in traffic and waste all those hours. My time will be better served, you know, developing out a an online offering or, you know, something else. So there's a balance, just like in yoga, mm -hmm. of, you know, service and things that you're passionate about anyway. So for example, I also think you need to maximize um, the potential to combine your complementary passions and modalities with teaching yoga. For example, I teach workshops on yoga and writing. So the writing piece I had already brought along with me. And I know other people that have said, well, you know, I, I, the only thing I'm really good at is singing. I'm like, oh my God, have you, what about chanting? Or what about, you know, learning Sanskrit and um, applying some type of class where people can feel better about even mouthing Sanskrit? I know in the beginning of becoming a yoga teacher, just even stumbling around <laughs> yeah. Sanskrit, you know, whatever. Now I can transliterate Sanskrit, which was a whole other level. So I've gone organically from just memorizing, you know, how to say a pose. Right. To being able to speak Sanskrit comfortably. Mm -hmm. So all these things don't happen overnight, right? Right. I also think it's a huge um, amount of energy you're going to expend learning how to fill your classes or workshop. There's that piece. Mm -hmm. And how to teach yoga in a digital age. That all came after I became a yoga teacher. And I admire the people that have crossed over or embraced it quickly. So right. things that aren't serving you and then, you know, quickly, you know, discerning for yourself. So isn't this all what we've just been talking about? Yes, exactly. The same thing. Yeah. And trusting right in it. And so it kind of brings up, you know, thinking about longevity and sustainability on this pathway, you know, and there's an endurance factor of, you know, and like you said, that uh, continually discerning and, you know, I'm coming up on 20 years marks uh, since I began teaching and I'm just kind of like, part of me is like, wow. Okay. doesn't seem that long. And part of me is like, no, I do remember I've had seasons and different things of right. the, the, you know, what's going on in my teaching. So let's talk about that. You know, you've talked about, we've talked about becoming a teacher, but you know, this is continual. We are still becoming and we are in, you know, interpreting and discerning our pathway still now, like in, for me, like 20 years later, I'm still, you know, doing it. So how, how do we create that longevity and sustainability in this pathway? My suggestion would be to get quiet 
and ask yourself, you know, am I on the path? Am I becoming the, the next stage of what my, you know, future is? Um, when I was a kid, I was never taught how to set some type of goal structure over two months, six months, two years, five years. I think that's really important to do, not just in January, if you're a, that type of, you know, goal oriented. Um, I sit down once a year and do it. I think it's important to, to set that up. And yes, there's attainable goals, there's long-term goals. But I think in the getting quiet, you also need to ask yourself, wow, what piece of this fills me with joy if I'm gonna sustain this level of, of engagement and give so much to other people. I had a great discussion yesterday with a friend of mine as a yoga teacher. I got so stressed out in creating the playlist in my yoga class in Arizona. That was a big piece of why people came. There was even at the time, this is 15 years ago, but they were even having DJs come in, spin wow. and stuff. I mean, the pressure for the playlist. And so now, thank God, you can either ask a friend or we share them on Spotify or whatever. But I think it was identifying for myself, well, I don't like that piece. That's okay. Mm -hmm. As a community, you could maybe reach out to somebody else. I mean, I know now that the groups, the yoga groups that I'm in on LinkedIn and Facebook and all that stuff, we share, we share, we share. So that's cool. I think though, you need to have the courage to say, well, I, I'm afraid to do this. I can't do this by myself. And I also think for longevity, you need to um, remember like why you started. So mm. even in the beginning, I know a lot of people say, Stephanie, I just, I can't afford to do this and put on all this time like you did and whatever. And I said, yeah, but people act like it's only our profession when in reality it's not. I know a lot of successful actors or actresses that waited tables. Yeah. I know a lot of, um, now granted, I'm, I'm not talking about a profession like a doctor where you step into something. No, even like doctors have to build their practice. Exactly. And at the same time, pay off, you know, uh, bills from college. So we act like somehow we're the only ones experiencing this idea of um, trying to match a financial reward with the time, energy, money that we've right. already spent. But yet I think the difference is, is you have to discern for yourself, what's my lifestyle going to be? You know, uh, how can I complement my income perhaps in another way until you get established? And then there's so many discussions in the, in the women's movement now for a long time about, and I need to declare to myself, my time is valuable mm -hmm. and I will be paid for my time. And you have to just embrace that, accept it, and then live that in a way that matches what people are willing to pay. I know exactly. Pilates teachers, personal trainers, other people that have, you know, without uh, standardized unions or whatever that have done well, but yet because there's only so many hours in the day and if you plan on teaching, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, you gotta sit down and do the math. Right. Say, how am I gonna do this in a way that that I can sustain myself exactly, and take my family on a vacation if I want or exactly. you know, do other things. Yeah. I think everybody 
for themselves needs to spend a lot of time and energy discerning for themselves just what they want it to look like. And then yeah. if it's not what that's going to look like that makes you happy, there's a lot of people that do a job and realize two years into it, wow, I, I don't like this. Um, right. It's not really me what I thought. That's okay. Exactly. That's yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, in it, you know, you have to have as much courage to come to that decision, you know, as anything else, instead of just staying in something that, you know, I, I'm not sure like from a success, not meaning maybe even financially, but like how successful really, I mean, that I, I feel like that's just not going to be sustainable. And I also think too, we need to propose the idea that I might not be the teacher I thought I was. For mm. instance, I prefer not to be an asana-based teacher. I like being a teacher through my writings, through social media, through other offerings like workshops or, you know, other, other forms of being a teacher. So some people think, well, okay, I, this is what being a yoga teacher looks like. I know other people too that have had the courage to say, you know what, I, I didn't like teaching classes, but you know what I like? I like being a yoga photographer or I like being a, um, a business manager who works in the yoga community. I like being, you know what I mean? Yeah, so exactly. Well, I mean, and I often say, I mean, a lot of times we have to experience things or we have to know what something, um, to know what something is, we've got to know what it's not. <laughs> and sometimes that through the experience, like, and I can remember in college, I, had an office job and thankfully I had the job and a, a family friend go to, but I did not find any joy or happiness in it. And what it told me was that was great for that time in my life. And I appreciated as a college student, the wow. income, but it was like, no, I am, I'm going to seek something else as the pathway of something I'm going to do. Hope, yeah, hopefully uh, for some, some longevity, but understanding, you know, the experience of what it is, because to me, so let's, let's kind of tap in even a little deeper of this becoming a yoga teacher, like kind of what are you teaching and, you know, how we, I, I'm a firm believer that, you know, there's some students that may never practice with anyone else but me. So my response, I feel very heavily responsible to teach them <laughs> the practice and the philosophy and the, the practice, not just the movement. Now I get their attention there, right? And I'm a stickler on, you know, anatomy and alignment and all that, because I feel that brings them into an experience in their body, but as only as a vehicle, if it's all about the playlist, if it's all about, you know, I used to teach in a YMCA that was large and in my classes or I had to be mic'd. Sometimes I came in, the mic didn't work. I mean, and it's like, just forget, like, I don't want them to attach. Right. To everything has to be this way for the practice. I've had so many classes where I, I, in fact, I taught at the LA yoga uh, conference or whatever. I did a headstand class and a girlfriend of mine called me up. She's like, Stephanie, you're, you're teaching a headstand class. You never <laughs> talk about that kind of stuff. I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to have them in the room with me for an hour and I get to say whatever I want. So I sprinkle in yes. my own, you know, I get all the philosophy and all the other aspects in I think we've gotten away from, and, and this isn't the case around the world, but with the yoga that I first was introduced to, we would stop in the middle of a class and either, you know, explore the anatomy of a pose or perhaps give a little Dharma teaching or perhaps even say, well, 
How do you feel in your body right now? Let's all, you know, lay on our mat for a minute. And then, yes, we can do other things. But this idea that yoga has landed in the fitness box in the West actually is what got me to go back and get my master's degree in yoga studies. I am not happy that yoga has landed in the fitness box and is now sometimes a 50 minute class. So I believe that the, you know, the fitnessy yoga thing will eventually maybe morph into those people going on to something else, but we still have the opportunity to serve the people that still haven't even come to yoga yet. Yeah. I mean, around the world, it has become mainstream enough because it meets all the pillars of psychological, mental, physical well-being. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just we've proven this tool works in, and I don't know of another tool that encompasses body, mind, and spirit. Right. You know, other things that are great that make you feel good, but I think it's our responsibility as yoga teachers to provide the yoga of of my understanding and honor and respect the, the lineage and the this yeah. ancient science that we have had the great honor of being able to share with people. So in becoming a yoga teacher, I think you need to define for yourself, wow, is this a fitness thing I'm going to do for a couple of years? Or do I really want to, you know, embrace the understanding that this is not a 5k, this is a marathon <laughs> and I'm going to need continuing education and I need to be open to, you know, new things. And I do think that it's beautiful that you have, have taken on the responsibility of holding space for these people for the long term. Because I know that you're that yoga teacher that plans a month of what's going to happen and shows up with a plan and what, and people don't understand like, an elementary school teacher, a high school teacher, a college teacher, how much preparation there is before you get to your class. And then right. how you leave your ego, your whatever at the door and serve those people for that time that you're together. And I yeah. think that's beautiful. Well, I know when I was teaching and, and leaving all the time to travel, I finally didn't teach because I felt awful leaving my students with a temporary teacher while I would run off and, you know, visit somewhere. So for me, I chose to, for the time say, wow, I can teach certain things all the time, but to take on the responsibility of someone all the time, I didn't feel like I was serving him, them right. in the best way that I needed to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's beautiful. I mean, well, I and I've had seasons and that, you know, when you talk about discernment and, uh, you know, it's kind of like anything and responsibility you take on, you have, and I try to be very thoughtful before I take a position. I don't want to be one of those people that take it and they're like, oh, I got stuff to do. But there's been seasons. I mean, it's just, can I hold the space in the way, like you're saying, for this consistently? Um, and if not, then I just need to step back, take a sabbatical, take a like or whatever, a pause away and come back. So I've kind of been in and out over the periods of year. And for me, that has helped me to create sustainability and longevity doing it because I support all the other things going on in my life, my family and, and yeah, all these things. But um, like you said, that holding, I mean, I, I think there's a level of thinking about becoming a, a yoga teacher, a level of showing up and how are you going to hold that space? Can you do that in a way, right? That, you know, in integrity and, you know, we're human, but 
you know, a space that, and we're constantly seeking as to be students, right? So that we can give to others. Into the idea that I'm going to create a podcast. (laughs) You are a perfect living example of, I'm going to be, you know, intentional in my own path for others, but what do I need? Mm -hmm. Me to, you know, keep becoming, I'm going to challenge myself Yes, (laughs) a podcast, and you found out it's a lot of work to do. Yes, yes, yes. Beautiful that you are living your intention to not only serve others but to serve yourself. And to me, that's also a huge piece of yoga as a yoga Mm -hmm. teacher becoming because you are going to give, 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 and you don't want to burn out because you've neglected your own practice. Exactly. My own practice is creating space for awe and wonder. As Mm. an artist and as a writer, I need that quiet, quiet time for myself and more than than some people. Uh, You know, I present myself as an extrovert when I'm really an introvert. I've discerned so much from my yoga practice that I know how to serve myself. And also there's age and time that comes just from the the sheer amount of time that I've dedicated to pursuing this living yoga, not practicing yoga. Yes, I love that. I do, I live yoga every day. I don't just practice yoga. And like you said, I'm human, I'm flawed. I I make mistakes along the way, Mm -hmm. but boy, I've become really good at dropping what doesn't serve me anymore. Yeah, exactly. I know for a while, even you said there's seasons. I went for a while to a really great hot yoga class and then, oh, menopause came along. (laughs) I was in a hot yoga class. No, thank you. So I had to say to myself, wow, you know, I feel depleted at the end of class. Again, I think it comes back to reflection. And so we have discovery, we have reflection, we have intention, we have becoming. I mean, there's just, I love this. Yeah, I do too. It's so multidimensional and it just, well, and I think about when you were saying earlier, you know, like we talked about this cross train, so to speak, I mean, you know, explore these new, these these different ways of the practice or or different styles of the practice. So that when we hit the seasons where, you know, I used to be, I I hit the asana practice early on um, in a very power oriented, that was my first experience. And, and then just through different seasons and, and having another child and different things. I mean, I got to a point where I was like, I need to, I'm going to try that out of curiosity. I'm going to try this yin thing. Now I didn't like it at the beginning, but then all of a sudden the curiosity was tapped into again. I was like, oh, I think I might like this. And then now I know like if I'm going to go to a power class, I got to have my A game. <laughs> like I got to cope with my A game, even though I've taken my B game before and just stayed in child's pose. But, you know, it's just like having, you know, not staying in that one lane again. You know, I think about, gosh, what I'll, I could have missed. And then it has enhanced my ability to be, to meet people where they are and other practitioners who have varying experiences and backgrounds. And it helps me to support my students better to know what my experience of some things are. So organically you're in the flow. Yes. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And being okay with it, you know, it's like, and like we said, you know, for different seasons of like this conversation for us 
here's our a, a yoga practice, you know, and we're in conversation and, and understanding that that's a piece of the practice. Whereas it, you know, I think sometimes, and that's where I get so passionate about what are we teaching? Because if I'm only teaching that one piece that is all about the pose, okay, yeah. it's about the pose, but it's not about the pose, <laughs> you know, and if I'm only doing that, I'm holding back as a teacher, I feel like from really giving the fullness of what this what I want that relevance again to be, you know, for students to take it on as relevant for them that they know when they're not there or not in practice or on their mat or whatever in meditate, they know something's not, something feels not quite right. Like I need my practice. If you've just brought me to my other thought about becoming was relationships. Becoming is about relationships, not only to others, but to ourselves. And I think as we take that off the mat into our community and into the world, I think it's unbelievable. There's going to be misunderstandings and conflicts with others and with ourselves. But yet at the same time in that, there's such an opportunity. And there, that is the piece that I think is cool about yoga too, is that it's ripe with potential. And yeah. I think the word becoming is a parallel to that too. There's such mm -hmm. an energy of potential in that word. Right. I, think, I think you picked such a beautiful topic. <laughs> really, I'm serious. I'm so yeah, thank you. And I, I appreciate you joining me in conversation about it. And I love that, that you brought that up, the relationship piece, because, you know, isn't that this practice, the yoga practice gives us, like you said, the opportunity to, to seek that desired state of being in relationship with ourselves. But then, you know, that which um, you and I have a, a, you know, a relationship uh, with Rolf Gates. And I remember him telling me, and that's who I, you know, he's one of my teachers, but on one of my training manuals, you know, it's, it's that which we heal in ourselves, we heal in the world and that which we heal in the world we heal in ourselves. And so I think that's a beautiful culmination of our, you know, kind of our conversation here coming to this idea of that relationship piece and this beautiful system of yoga, right? The, the mirror that you're discussing is a word that we've heard a lot in yoga. So this idea that I love that you keep coming back to is, wait a minute, how do I take it off my mat? That is the number one thing people keep on talking about. So I think the more that you can keep on digging into that, that the more that some, something will click for someone. Yes. That's why I've always loved sharing the voices of other yoga teachers, because something that I say may not resonate with somebody else, but we are in community with so many beautiful souls that are pretty much cut from the same cloth. We love mm -hmm. the system. We want others to, to experience, you know, the, the, the tool the, of transcendence that has worked for us. And we do that in a loving way that I think is just so incredible. It really yeah. is. And that mirror that you can use to facilitate a life of limitless potential blows my mind still. I, I, yeah, exactly. By for 40 years. Absolutely. It's unending for me. So. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty in it, you know, is, is that whole, you know, not arriving. And even though I've been teaching for, you know, almost 20 years, it's like, 
yeah, I still don't, you know, I, I'm excited about what I still don't know. And I don't know a lot, right? So, you know, it's- The older I get, the more I know, I know nothing. And I'm okay with that. Exactly. Well, Stephanie, it's been a pleasure. Um, and I, I knew it would be, and I just love chatting with you. Uh, and um, I'd love to end with a quote. Yeah, I want you to. Yeah. I admire that does yoga, Michelle Obama. Yeah. She says it was possible that I was more in charge of my happiness than I was allowing myself to be. I was too busy resenting Barack for managing to fit workouts into his schedule, for example to even figuring out how to exercise regularly myself. But she made yoga a part of her life. And she ends her book by saying, let's invite one another in. Maybe then we can begin to fear less, to make fewer wrong assumptions, to let go of biases and stereotypes that unnecessarily divide us. Maybe we can better embrace the ways we're in the same. It's not about being perfect. It's not about where you get yourself in the end. There's power in allowing yourself to be known and heard and owning your unique story and using your authentic voice. And there's grace in being willing to know and hear others. This for me is how we become. Well, thank you for sharing that, Stephanie. And thank you for sharing yourself and sharing and holding space with me today. And um, I want people to check out your book and that'll be in the show notes and how people can connect with you. It's a beautiful compilation, like you said, of really to me connection and that relationship. And, uh, you know, I understood a long time ago, I'm not everybody's teacher um, and that's okay. And I'm going to support and hold space and, and teach the practice um, to, to any student that I have. And I'm going to guide and, and encourage others to seek out and find that which resonates with them in the teaching and build their practice from that. And so I appreciate you and this relationship that you and I have built. I am so honored and touched and, and I'm kind of sad at the thought that maybe, you know, I only get two, two talks, so you better call me. I will. I will. And Hey, I I've already got, you know, the visions of season three. And so I, I have no doubt that you'll be a, a part of this, but I, you know, and expanding beyond the record button um, of this relationship of you and I, I, you know, I'd love to stay in connection with you. So thank you so much for your support of this. Thank you for sharing your time and your insight. And I just wish you all the best. And vice versa. And I can't wait to hear how everybody else contributes to this brilliant topic of becoming. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you, Stephanie. Are you a yoga teacher that is ready to expand beyond? I want to invite you to join me in my Beyond Yoga Teacher Training Mentorship Program. This is a program I have designed from almost two decades of experience that will equip you with solid skills and confidence that support success on your pathway of service as a teacher. Are you ready to begin? Head over to my website, sandyraper.com, and schedule your introductory consultation call now. I'll look forward to connecting and supporting you as you become the teacher you desire to be. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. 
Until we meet again, remember to begin, to become, and to expand beyond.